Thursday live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. You know, in the beginning, I you know, I think I think he did that. He's already did that once. You, you know what I mean? We're not reporting the injury. So, you know, I told him, I said, um, you know, look, when we go out there next time and you tell me you're ready, you know, we're going to put you out there on the field and, and we're going to look at it. You know, and, you know, if you're not, or I feel you're not, or, you know, with obviously talking to Jay and Ben, you know, and watch it with our eyes, we're not going to play, you know, until you're 100% healthy. So I think what I try to do, because your point is well taken, I, I, I understood that, you know what I'm saying, the competitiveness in them. So, you know, when we met afterwards, I wanted to make sure he understood uh, that, hey, listen, you need to, you need to get healthy. Uh, that's the number one thing because, you know, I think it's shown when he's come back and he's had this injury, it, it's it's not good for anyone, including himself. I thought those were interesting comments from Doug Marone, shedding a little light on the last few weeks and what went down with Gardner Minshew. And uh, you can take a couple things away from it. Uh, he appreciates the competitive spirit of Minshew, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I also sense he was a little bit frustrated and miffed at the whole situation uh, with Gardner and how that went down. And and almost to the point where he almost said but didn't want to say, and I don't know if I should put words in his mouth, but it's like, listen, you can tell us you're healthy, Gardner, but I'm not sure I believe you. We're not... We, we don't trust you on that. That's great that you want to play, but we ain't putting you out there unless you're 100% because we saw what it looked like when you weren't 100%, and we don't know if we should buy what you're telling us just because you want to get back on the field. He referenced Jay Gruden, Ben McAdoo will have to also see it, but there's no doubt they're not going to listen to what Gardner Minshew says. They are going to watch how Gardner Minshew looks before they put him back in that football game uh, in a few weeks or whenever that time might be. Well, yeah. And shouldn't that have always been the plan in the first place? Like, if your quarterback is showing some sort of regression, don't you have the conversation with them and say, hey, what's going on, man? And if that answer's not good enough, you prod a little deeper? Like, that's the that's the whole point of, of being a coach is, you know, getting that out of your players, I guess. So, listen, I'm not sure if, if Doug Marone was passively aggressive, you know, maybe taking a shot at Gardner Minshew here, but... A piece of me believes that the player in Doug Marone gets it. Now, the head coach in Doug Marone, obviously, is probably a little frustrated, as he should be, right? Because we always talk about the, 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 the communication being one of the most important things in a locker room. So I get that. But I also think that the player in Doug Marone gets it. Because this is this is Minshew's only shot. And um, whatever becomes of it, like it's, it's his only swing that he has. Because let's be honest, next year... Let, let the chips fall where they may, but we can pretty much rest assured know that Gardner Minshew won't be the starting quarterback, or at least won't be the guy going forward, let's just say. So I see where Minshew's coming from. I think Doug Marone should as well. But if you're a head coach, you got to preach that communication, and you didn't have that with Gardner Minshew through these past couple weeks. Hey, someday we're going to get the full story on this whole thing. And I just don't uh, – I, I think we continually add the pieces in and some of the frustration and sound bites, and it's just like – what really happened here? Because what you're saying, I, I think you're right on, man. Like as I'm saying it, like well, of course they're gonna look at what he looks like on the practice field, look and see if he's okay throwing the football. They're not gonna just listen to the guy. I mean, sure they'll listen to the trainers and him and say, hey, is he okay? And they're gonna watch him start throwing, which he's not even throwing yet. Uh, but yeah, of course they're going to do that, dummy. That's what they'll do. Well, but then I say to myself. Self, 
Why didn't they do that a few weeks ago if he was hurt? Like, how could you not tell a guy was hurt and not throwing it well? And how could a Ben McAdoo and a Jay Gruden and a Doug Marone and teammates in the huddle and trainers on the sideline not notice anything that was up with a hand that had fractures and ligament damage, and now he hasn't thrown in two and a half weeks? So it's it's a very peculiar situation, and I just thought it was an interesting how, it was interesting how Doug Marone answered it today because these things just keep piling up to the point where I think Doug was even frustrated with the whole situation. And let's be honest, Brent. I mean, heck, you're a baseball player. You know this. Like any time that a pitcher is pitching and he's struggling, that manager's watching. You know, he's watching the release. Um, he's watching the setup. He's watching everything. And if something looks off, what do you do? You go to the mound and you talk to him and you try to get, gather some information. Now, maybe that pitcher is going to be prideful and want to stay in, but you got to get a good idea of what is going on. And the fact that this quarterback had multiple fractures, ligament damage, the fact that nobody knew about it, once again, I'll reiterate myself, it's just, it's baffling to me that nobody could tell. Now, what, whether these are the thinnest of the thinnest of the hairline fractures or whatever the case may be, I just find it very hard to believe that a quarterback can go out there with the injuries that Gardner Minshew had and nobody knew about it. Yeah, and here's the thing about it, okay? And, and again, I understand this is somewhat of an old topic, but to me, the, the, there's some more evidence that keeps coming out. There's things that still don't seem to add up, and I just don't think we should dismiss it. Uh, you know, the agent put it out, well, we think 99% sure the agent put it out there with Schefter and, and whatever that week, that it goes all the way back to the Houston game. Mm-hmm. Now, what nobody said and nobody has declared is how much did it bother him against Houston? How much did it bother him against Detroit? Was it re-aggravated against the Chargers? Did he hit it somewhere? Did, did something go from, oh, this hurts a little bit, to dang it, I can't even throw the football? You know, I mean, we, why didn't we get that kind of context? Why don't we have that kind of context? How hard would that be to give that kind of context? So there, until they give us that context, we really don't know. And right now, this, the whole injury and dating back to Houston is really just a, is an agent driven thing. And, and is that an agent kind of doing the best for his client saying, hey, he struggled a little bit over there. And well, maybe it was because of this. Um, and he really heard it in, in the Chargers game. You know, or, yeah. but, but it had to, either way, he had to really aggravate it in the Chargers game for it to make him go to, um, to the team and tell them about it and then, and then the other things that happened. Because, hey, there's two things that, uh, unless they haven't told us, but I think it's been asked and, and there's been no procedure. It's not like he's got a cast on it. So he's gone two weeks plus without throwing a football. At least that's what Doug's saying. He's not throwing yet. And he didn't even have a procedure on it. So if it was as bad that it was bothering you and it sounds like fractures and ligaments, I don't know if that needs a procedure, but you'd think it might. But it was obviously bad enough where he hasn't picked up a football and he's not thrown in practice now for two and a half weeks. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you this question, Brennan, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm not Gardner Minshew. I don't know what the guy is going through. All I can do is ask the questions. Let's assume right now that after the Chargers game, the Jaguars are sitting, ah, let's be, I mean, let's be, you know what, let's say that the Jaguars right now, they're sitting three and three, okay? They're 500 after that Chargers game, right? Because that would be six games if I'm going to take one, two, three, four, five, yeah. So let's say after, I'm sorry, let's say they're three and four or four and three, whatever, after that Chargers game, okay? And let's say that we're, we're on the week right now getting ready to play Houston for the second time. Do you think these conversations are coming up right now with Gardner Minshew's hand? Or is he rolling out there right now like nothing's happening? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Because uh, you know what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, yeah. Well, that's a good. Well, listen, this isn't. They've brought up the conspiracy theory in this. You know, I mean, they like, tell us what really happened, and nobody can really tell us what really happened. Mm. That's the that's the issue. And as you go back on it, and two weeks later you get a soundbite from Doug today that sounds a little perturbed at the situation, like, yeah, we don't trust the guy telling us this. And you kind of start putting pieces together, like, wait a minute now, what's up? And so um, I don't know that answer. I, I don't I, – my belief, Austin – I, I'm not saying he wasn't injured against Houston and Detroit. My belief is he really injured it more against the Chargers to the point where it's like I got to go tell somebody about this. Like yeah, it's hurt a little bit, but I can play through it. Listen, I can I can throw I can show you a few passes that he threw beautifully. Sure. Against those other teams, but then if you look at the end of that game, those throws to DJ Chark that were just kind of floating out there and missing by five or six yards. Well, if you're having trouble gripping the football or if it's really hurt you a little bit more, that might be a valid excuse for that. And it was late in the game against the Chargers. So did he get hurt on a sack or on a hit or any of those things? We still don't know where the specific injury happened. And so I believe the Chargers game is where this thing became a story for him. And this became a little bit of an issue. And then do I believe if I was his representation that I might backtrack it a little bit? He's been struggling a little bit now. You know, I mean, mm. maybe it's, it's really been bothering him a bit for nobody ever characterized it's been hurting a lot yeah. or, or anything. They just basically said, yeah, he's got fractures. It's been it's been it goes all the way back to Houston. That was it. It's not like, yeah, it started like a little soreness and then it and then he fractured it against the Chargers. Like, we just don't know this information, and, and I'm not saying we have to know this information, but for anybody that says, well, I can't believe you're even speculating about it, what do you mean? I mean, you've left this open to interpretation. No, I mean, with, this, this is no doubt. <laughs> this is what we do. No, yeah. without a doubt, like, this, is, hey, this is all we have to go off of. This is our job right now. But I'm just going to reiterate it one more time, Brent. If the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, or maybe on the outside looking in for a playoff on spot here, do you think we're having this conversation? Yeah, I would say I think so. You think I, we still would? I think I'm not going to. While I think there's a little suspicion here on exactly how this all went down, mm. I'm not ready to sit here and say he hasn't been practicing for two weeks, but he could be. Because that's what essentially you'd be asking me. Be, yeah. Like right now, they're basically saying he can't throw the football. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's not throwing the football. Like he's going through dry workouts in practice. We had cameras out there last week, I think it was Wednesday, when Luton was taken over, and he was just going through, like, drop packs, you know, with, without throwing a real football. Mm-hmm. And so I just can't imagine that would be happening if he could play. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, well, without a doubt. Like, I, the only point that I was trying to make, and listen, I'm never going to question the toughness of Gardner Minshew. Um, no, the, the, that's just that's not my job to do. Um I take that guy at his word because he's never given me a reason not to take him at his word. My only point is that if you're still trying to fight for that playoff spot, right, and you're still in the mix, like, do you, like, I feel like you dig a little deeper, right? Like, I feel like you, um, you know, you, you kind of sacrifice a little more if you have to, right? But how did the season turn out so far? They've won one game. The performance on the field for Garden it hasn't been good. So I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's, it's hard to put it in words that I'm really trying to get out here, Brent. Well, because you know, okay. we don't want to flat out say it. That's what you don't want. Have, well, listen, it, this are you, are you basically? I know you're not saying this, but yeah. I I, I want to be careful here because 
I don't want to imply this is like a Jalen Ramsey situation. No, no, not even close. You know? No. I don't think that's it. I, I don't think you can do that, okay? I don't think – I think you'd lose a lot of credibility in the locker room and everything else. This isn't like this manufactured plan. I just don't know if I believe it goes all the way back severely enough, at least to affect his play, to Houston and Detroit. I think that's fair to speculate that. I also just don't think he's ready. I think he heard it against the Chargers. I do. I think think something hurt him there, and to the point where now they're like, hey, let's get it well then. Uh, Whatever it is, and how badly it's fractured and ligament damage it is, because, again, that hasn't been characterized. Let's make sure it's well-rested. We're going to give this guy a go. I think the fair nature to your question is this. I just put it out on social media. If the Jags were in the mix, would they be hustling Gardner Minshew back? That's a good call. You know, Mm -hmm. would they be like, hey, listen, we can survive one more week with Luton, Mm -hmm. but we want to back for Pittsburgh. Let's go. He gives us the best chance to win. Because I still believe, who gives you the best chance to win? I think it's unequivocally Gardner Minshew. Listen, Luton looked good the other day. That's fine. He's got a bigger arm. That's fine. But we can't forget what Minshew did for the last year and a half. He won seven games. Yeah. And he played pretty well at times. And so I think Minshew gives you the best chance. The other thing is this. See, this is the other part of the question. This is what you're trying to get at, and I understand it. And it's okay because we're all doing mental gymnastics. No, 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 listen, and and I don't want my words to be contrived here, but I guess what I'm trying to say, and I'm not comparing this to a Jalen Ramsey situation. I guess what I was trying to to get across here is I hope that this decision by Garner Minshew and even the the Jacksonville Jaguars as a team is made more uh, based off well-being and performance more than politics. I hope this isn't a political decision. Right, yeah, like, I, I, I hope don't there's not shades of p- politics to this decision. I hope it's due to well-being and performance. I, I don't think it is. Okay. I think I think the what I would ask myself again. I think you phrased it perfectly. If they were four and three right now, uh, well, actually, it wouldn't be. Let's just say they're four and four. Mm-hmm. If they're four and four and they're in the mix, uh, w- which would put them what a game behind Indianapolis. Uh, for second place and, sure. and two games behind Tennessee, but you still play both those teams, so they'd be in the mix. If that were the case, I think there's two questions to ask. Would they have played Lupin over Glennon? Mm. And would they be hustling Gardner back for Pittsburgh? I could see missing two weeks, but would you be hustling them back? And I think the answer to both those questions is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if they were in the mix, I think they would have played Glennon. And I think if they were in the mix, they'd be hustling Gardner Minshew back. I think you might agree on the Glennon and Luton part, though. Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I do. I mean, I'm sorry, no, disagree. disagree. No, I, I mean, you know, it, it depends what that – I mean, listen, it's, it's all about, you know, theories right now and stuff like that. But assuming that the Jaguars were rolling on offense, honestly, where they sit right now, I, I would not be surprised if they played Glennon. I actually agree with you a little bit because, you know, if the floor was enough to still win games – then so be it. The only reason why I've been such an adamant fan of Luton going forward is the fact that, listen, this defense, you know, it is really non-existent sometimes. They don't have the offenses back. Um, the team needs a spark, and I thought that Luton provided that spark. I don't think you really need a fire starter or a spark maker if you're still in playoff run. I think that you go with the status quo a little bit and try to maintain as much as possible until Minshew comes back. Yeah. it's uh, Listen, I by the way, I, I know these are hypotheticals. Yeah. I, I just feel like with the little-known information on the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars and how this unfolded, I think it's fair to wonder. I don't. I, I well, think those questions are certainly 
Uh, listen, we are wondering a lot of things. We're yeah. wondering, why did you go get kickers that have never kicked before? Why, when you knew you were playing three defenses that were some of the worst in the NFL, did you not give it to your best player on offense, James Robinson? Mm-hmm. Like, we're wondering these things aloud over the last month. And right now they're 1-7, and seven, and I think they're fair to wonder. You just I'm not telling you they're trying to, to fail. I just think it's their peculiar decisions if you're trying hard to win. No, for sure. <laughs> and listen, and this question has to be brought up as well, where everything that's transpired with Minshew now, and let's be honest, we're having these conversations, Brent, because we don't know. All right? All we have to go off of is what they tell us. And we don't know what's going on in that locker room right now. We don't know how much the players know, how much the, the, the coaches knew. Like, we don't know any of this. But let's just assume right now that the players are kind of on the same point that we're at. And maybe they had no idea either that Minshew was, you know, indeed hurt and there was a lack of communication. Do you run the risk now of having divide in that locker room? Uh, you, you do if there's something up. Okay. Yeah. Um, though I do think that would be more of an individual thing. I think uh, I think the guys in that locker room respect Gardner Minshew a lot. I think we've heard that for a long time, mm-hmm. and so that's why I don't think there's anything crazy going on. Because if they got caught wind of that, I mean, you you've been in the locker room. You yeah, yeah. I, I know. Listen, I wouldn't appreciate that. I, I know that, and I haven't even been in the locker room. So uh, that's that's not the way that that game goes. I, I don't think you can do that. So I again, I am not dis. I think there's something there with Gardner. I really do. I mean, I, I don't think he would not be throwing in practice and ready to go if there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of question how it all went down and how it was told it went down, um, you know, when the report came out during the bye week. Yeah, and and yeah. I think that's fair to wonder because of stuff that Doug Marone has since said, uh, the curiosity of how that would have worked against Houston and Detroit, yet he was able to play through those games and start against the Chargers. I, I just... There's so many unanswered questions. I think it's a uh, no. For, fair enough. Well, and listen, and maybe we're not going to know until the book comes out. You know, years down the line, and so be it. Maybe right now it's not our job to know. But I just hope that the guys in the locker room at least have some sense of better idea of what's going on. Because, like you mentioned, I mean, between the kicking situation, between the broken hand situation, um, there's been a lot of things that, from the outside, where I sit, looks like extremely bad optics. And if you're a guy in that locker room who is trying to, you know, tune out that noise of the tanking and all this stuff, and all you're trying to do is win ball games right now, well, when you when you go through these things with the kicker and the broken hand, it just once again, I'm just raising the question if there is a little distrust, I guess, with how things are being handled right now in terms of lack of communication and some of the decisions being made. And by the way, I think you have said this from for a long time, you know, since we started this show. From the Jalen Ramsey to Yannick Ngakwe to Tom Coughlin to Doug Marone to whatever. You have pointed out the word communication in that building. Mm -hmm. And all they have done is try to prove you right since you started talking about it. (laughs) Because, seriously, and I think this one might reek of it more than anything. The, The lack of communication or at least what seems to be what exactly happened. And again, I'm not saying they have to tell us how it all went down Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't add up everything that we heard and have heard and all those things i think it does reek of communication problems Mm -hmm. um in in that building and so i think this is another example of it uh at least when it comes to the gardner minchu uh situation and by the way this one might not be on them altogether Mm -hmm. i think this is what happens when agents try to push something out to the shefters and rapaports of the world 
You know, and I think this is what did happen. Uh, again, I, I'm just assuming, but I mean, come on, we're 99 percent sure that came from the agent. Like, yeah, why would yeah. why would the Jags say that, right? Correct. Why would the Jags say that? By the way, ten when the, out of bye week when you wouldn't even have to say anything. <laughs> no, without a doubt, and, and we know how you know NFL teams are pretty um, you know tight knit of how they leak you know information in terms of injuries and things like that. So I do agree with you from that standpoint. All right, I promise. I'm going to get to these young guys. Got a little <laughs> bit more big uh, picture NFL. We got yeah. the Masters to get to. Coos uh, raised an interesting question, uh, like we did yesterday. It's probably a stolen topic off some other show, but I think it's good enough anyway. We'll we'll go there, and uh, we got a lot more to get to. Uh, we got to update you on some of that FSU stuff going on. Is is there a bigger problem? I mean, too many red flags in Tallahassee with with now some of the latest departures, or is this just part of the turnover and and new coach cycle that happens? Uh, at the collegiate level and all these cancellations. So we'll get to all that. But uh, coming up next, I really do want to dive into, at least for a few minutes, the local, I mean, the young players on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is this the right way to go about it? And is it working? I know it says 1-7 and seven on the scoreboard. But is, are there some signs of life and hope down the road before you even maybe land the big quarterback, a new coach or GE, all those kind of things? Uh, let's talk about it. We come back on ESPN 690. Hey, Brent Martineau. This is an email. Why is WWE wrestling not being shown on Friday night? Austin Lane. Thank you very much. Read it right now. Read it right now. This I just did. Why oh, is WWE? That, that's it. That's I mean, it? that's why I thought. I don't know. I mean, Ronan's only five. I don't know how many sentences he can make. Yeah, Smart some, kid. Somebody but... might have proofread it for him. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Um, just to do our jobs, you know, individually. Uh, big thing for us is to have accountability and dominate, you know, our matchup. It's, it's not going to necessarily be easy matchups, you know, to have some of the best players in the league. They're one of the best teams in the league. But at the end of the day, when we put our pads on, it's an expectation. You know, I hold myself to that uh, standard. I hold my teammates to that standard. You know, I hope that they can hold me to that standard, too. That is DJ Chark, and he's a great example of what the Jags need to happen. DJ Chark is not having as great a season as he was having last year, but he's starting to emerge, and when they throw it to him, he's he's making plays. That that was a big game the other day. Mm. He needed that. He needs that in the second half. He needs to keep being the guy. I need to know. At the end of this season, Austin Lane, even though I know the Jags stink in 2020, I need to know DJ Chark is their number one wide receiver and a big part of the next few years. I need to know that. So we're going to get into the young guys, and not specifically DJ and even those third, second-year guys, but the rookies that they're playing right now. So. Yeah. This moment. Go ahead. No, absolutely. And you talk about DJ Chark and Brent. I think we'd both agree here. He's the best wide receiver on this team, hands down, right? Yeah, I okay. think so. No so, doubt. He's yeah, proven so, that. Exactly. So with that being said, uh, I'm very curious to see how, number one, Gruden handles the Packers' defense. Obviously, they, they, they had a good game against San Fran. Maybe they're surging a little bit now. But I mentioned this, I think, yesterday. A guy by the name of Jair Alexander. Okay, now he's he's the top corner guy for Green Bay. And what I envision him doing is shadowing DJ Chark no matter where he goes. And to be fair, right now Alexander playing at a very probably at an All Pro level, if not a Pro Bowl level. So he's a he's a good cover guy. I think he's going to be going for this game. I think he's healthy. Everything like that. It begs the question: 
because we know how DJ Chark's important to this offense, and we'll see if I think Visca is he Visca could be able to go or not. Do we have word on that quite yet? The word is they think he'll be able to go. Okay, so regardless if Visca goes or not, we know DJ Chark makes this offense run. And with that being said, I wonder if Gruden goes back to what he said early in training camp where they're going to put him in the slot a little bit. They're going to put him in different formations because I don't see Alexander following DJ Chark in the slot. So I wonder if this is going to be the game where they feature DJ Chark, they put him all around the field and say, hey, you're the guy going forward. We need a big game from you. Go out there and get it. Let's put you in positions to succeed. And obviously, if DJ Chark's going to succeed, that means Luton's going to succeed. So I wonder if we see DJ Chark all around the field this Sunday. I like that a lot. Uh, and that would be, again, I, I think we got carried away, which is fine, because he said it, that we got with the holy bleep stuff, right? <laughs> or, or the cra- I'm sorry, the crazy bleep stuff. Yeah, yeah same uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that he said in the bye week. Well, it's not going to look like that, but you noticed it as a defensive guy, what they did the other day. Yeah. They, they mixed and matched some personnel. They obviously played a young quarterback that's never played before. And if they could do some things with LaVisca Schnott, I'll be like, hey, all right, man. You're right. You mix some things up. So I can appreciate that. I want to see that. Let's get South Beach Gary in real quick before I talk more about the young guys. What's up, man? South Beach Gary, you there? Hey, how are you doing, guys? Doing good, man. In, in honor of Veterans Day, thoughts on your favorite war movies? Ever. Brent, you want to go no, first? You you can go for me. Okay, man. I'm bad um, at this game. Yeah, the one that really sticks out to me off the top of my head was Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Just okay. just because of the, yeah, just the age um, that I saw. I probably shouldn't have saw it at such a young age. But I remember being at my friend's house, and you know, like I mean, I was a fan of Gladiator and all that stuff. But then to actually sit back and watch that movie, especially in the beginning when they're storming the beach, it's crazy. I remember being a kid thinking like, wow, like people actually went through like. That was a real thing. So, to me, Savings Private Ryan really stands out to me. I didn't see that one. How about the original Midway? Did you see that one? The, the one with Henry Fonda and all? I did not. Charlton Heston? I think I saw that one way back in the day. I saw that one. What was the one with Pearl Harbor? Um, three t- or something. It was like a time to Iwo Jima. I forgot what that movie's called. Um, I've watched that in social studies class when I was like in fourth grade. I remember our teacher showed us that one. I think I saw the original Midway as well, though. Right. Uh, what you got uh, to doing much better. Very happy about that. Uh, what, what I was wondering, guys, the whole Gardner Minshew thing, how come it, it's always the national guys? You've got local guys covered, and none of them reported the injury. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, thanks, South Beach Guy. I appreciate it. L- listen, it's, um, it, it's a fair question. It doesn't even bother me anymore. I'm sorry. I, I didn't really hear the question. He was kind of cutting out on my end. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, the, he, what he asked is, why is it always the national guys that are sharing that information? Like, oh, shots fired, know? Brent Martin. No. Oh, no, I don't even take it personal. I, um, I wouldn't either. The, I, I'm a, I could spend an hour talking about this topic, but I, the Cliff Notes version here is it's twofold for me. One is these guys do it. First of all, it's a, it's a hats off and a hat tip to guys like Rappaport and Schefter. And a, you know, I was on the golf course at Streamsong. Here's a little name drop playing with Trey Wingo a few weeks back, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, holy cow, Yannick Ngakwe got traded again. And you know what he said to me? He's like, where did you see that? Schefter have it? Bam, right? Yeah. Because anything that comes out, those guys have it. Yeah. And I give them a ton of credit. Their phones are going crazy. We've seen, like, the stories on Schefter before, and they work their butt off for it. And they've just established all these relationships with agents who have basically figured out that it's like, hey, if I help you out, will you help me out? Sure. Tell me something I don't know. I'll tell you something you don't know. And so, again, I, I'm not discounting that. I'm not even mad at it. Like, it's it's okay. But, therefore, 
Like the organizations are the last ones to tell people. And our contacts, at least a lot of mine, I used to chase the agent game, but you don't even have to do that anymore, at least in terms of guys signing, because it's all slotted. So we used to meet their agents a lot when, hey, are they going to sign this week, or why, are they going to hold out, or anything like that. And, and so you don't even do that because nobody holds out anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. There's also a lot of wasted time going to try to get agents, because these guys have the market covered. And they're, well, how am I going to help out agent whoever? When they can talk to Schefter and he can be like, hey, yeah, by the way, what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts and, and do they need a corner about my other guy? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that's the way it works now. And I'm not mad at it, but my contacts are down at the stadium. But they're not they're not going to sit there and be the first ones to tell you. In fact, they're often the last ones to tell you. Exactly, because so, they want the stuff to leak out. Yeah. Well, they don't want it to leak. Or, you know, the, the, the other thing I think it's agents and, and guys at, at the NFL offices, they see the paperwork go through. And so I think that's where it comes from. But anyway, I don't even know if I have it exactly right. That's my theory on it, and uh, that's the way it goes. And so uh, the local guys get shut out. I'll tell you this. I think Doug Marone and and the Jaguars do a great job of trying to help us do our job. Mm -hmm. I think there are other organizations that try to not help you do your job, but I think the Jags do a good job of trying to help. I just think it's a game that we can't win at the local level anymore. And, And so... It's it's now you just got to confirm what maybe happened. You're not going to beat those guys to the punch. And uh, again, I, I'm not saying that in a uh, bitter way. I'm saying that in a hats off kind of way. They have cornered the market on that, and they have they have changed the game in, in reporting. Everything comes from Schefter and Rappaport, and maybe you sprinkle another guy in like Jay Glazer. Still sometimes gets in the mix, but have you noticed like Glazer doesn't break stuff as much anymore? You know why? Because I think he got. I think this is just my theory. I think he got tired of chasing. Hmm. He got tired of his phone going off every three seconds. It's got to be exhausting. It's got to be be an exhausting life to listen to, you know, to be Adam Schefter and just, I mean, the guy's tweeting at 4 a.m. in the morning. Like, come on, man. What what are we talking about here? And and, hey, South Beach Gary, don't ask me that question, man, because I'm just trying to make it back to the press box. All right? Like, that's all I'm trying to do right now. I'm just trying to have some of that. Spinach dip, you know, with some with some with some crackers or whatever they got for you guys up there. And I'm trying to sit by. I'm trying to sit next to my boy D Rock and just kind of shoot the breeze a little bit, man. That's my goal right now, South Beach Gary. I, I don't got any answers for you. So yeah, uh, listen, I, I tell you, the, the I almost had one a few years back, and I was so proud of it. I was going to be so proud of it because I was really chasing. Um, it was when Gus Bradley got hired. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, at like one in the morning. I got word that Gus was going to be the guy. Yeah. And it was a source that I was pretty uh, – it was pretty good. But I was like, I can't put this out there unless I get another confirmation. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to get confirmation. I actually got an answer back from somebody else, and it wouldn't confirm it. Mm. I wake up at 4.30 because it's like <laughs> one of those days I'm like, oh, man, I hope nobody has it. I'll work on it again this morning and yeah. blah, blah, blah. 4.30 in the morning, Schefter, Rappaport, all the rest of them had Gus Bradley, and it was a done deal. I mean, that's how that's how it worked. Like, I almost had one and beat those guys. It would have been like, yeah, baby, fist pump, Whoa. I beat those guys. Yeah. And, I, and I, st- I didn't do it because I just didn't have another – I just didn't want to put it out there. Even though I trusted this guy, I just didn't want it to be the one time he was wrong. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, remember, I had a little piece of information, too, that ended up becoming true. But, like, I had like, – I did. wasn't, like – Oh, yeah. I'm gonna. You know, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I respect the guy for coming forward and like hitting me up. You know, I mean, he's part of the syndicate. Obviously, wants a T-shirt. Obviously, <laughs> I got you, dude. We're getting those T-shirts. I'm sending one right to your uh, 
place of business, let's just say. But yeah, some guy reached out in my DMs and said, hey, this is going to happen. This is going to shake down. And like I, I kind of ran it by Brent a little bit. There's only one person coming forward. I didn't really know him that well. I don't know if it was legit or not. But like not even a, a percentage of me was like, well, I should probably break this news now because like, you know, I got this information. I'm just like, hey, l- let it happen when it happens. And if the worst comes to worst. Dilla can break it, so it's That's, all good. I was going to say, where's Scoops Dilla lately? Anyway, where was he <laughs> on the Vinci front? You know? Come on, Dilla. Are you sleeping? Man, Brent, everyone's tanking right now, man. Everyone's tanking. <laughs> Come on. It's uh, and it's, you know, here's the other part of it for me. I honestly don't believe, and it's great if you want to keep score, and I know some people keep score who breaks what or whatever. That's fine. Good. Yeah. There's still a rush about breaking something in our business. I just think if I break something right now, there are... Mark Long and Gene Frenette and TV station A and radio station B and and whatever else, they're going to be within 10 minutes. They're all going to be tweeting it out after they've confirmed it. Thank you. And then nobody is going to remember that Brett Martin broke it. Yeah, sure. Maybe you get like, you know, five more Twitter followers and that's about it. Yeah, it's just just not worth it. No, it's not worth it. Especially if you're wrong. As long as you have the guys to confirm it yeah. and then be able to get on TV with it or right here on radio with it, that's still well. That's kind of like what we need to be doing. You true, know? And, and especially and whether if you're you like wrong. that or not, like the old school people hate that I just said that. Yeah. But it's just a new way. It's just a new reality of it. And by the way, if I was wrong, Austin, here's one last thing. There's no accountability anymore, man. I'd have yeah. to be super wrong to to really get big time trouble. Without a doubt, and you mentioned it. Like to me, the the, jur- the juice is never worth the squeeze. Because I'm reminded of um, who was the the lady that broke the news of Doug Marone getting fired supposedly? Oh yeah, Rossini. Joe, was it Rossini? Or, yeah, Diana was Rossini. It? Okay, yeah, Diana Rossini. Yeah. You know what she's done ever since? She's gotten 500 more reports on ESPN. There it is. There it is. Right? She's a bigger but, star right yeah. now since she did, had that story than she was before. But here's the thing, though. You remember when that, that happened and he didn't get fired? I mean, people are, were, were all over her, you know, mentions and things like that, calling her out. Now, obviously, people got short memories, and it is what it is. And like you said, she's gone on to bigger and better things, so good for her for doing that. But to me, just the, the juice is, is not worth the squeeze in my standpoint. I don't need the adrenaline rush of breaking some kind of big news. I fight in a cage for a living, Brent. I have enough adrenaline rushes <laughs> as it is. You think I'm going to sit back by my phone, break some news, and just watch the mentions pile up? No, man, I'm all good. We're good. Uh, am I ever going to get to this young guy topic? <laughs> Coos, can right. we just go right to the top? <laughs> Forget sure, it. No, just and go the to music the top. comes in. Yeah. Hey, can oh, we, we do it? We're going? Can we just go right to the top? Oh, yeah, go to the top. oh Audible. Yeah, thanks, Coos. I appreciate it. But hey, that was a fun conversation. Listen, I could talk about that all day. Yeah, I love that. I don't think anybody else cares about it, but those are my hey, South Beach Gary asked, and, and there you go. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now listen, if you want to give me a breaking story, I'll still report it. Like I'll be sure. happy to <laughs> go sure. confirm it and get it done. Okay. So, uh, but I, I do think uh, it'll be interesting to watch. We're going to be. You know why we hate coaching changes? Because every rumor that comes down in January will be like, I get a call from the newsroom. Hey, can you confirm that? Is that report right? Is yeah. that happening? Is does Bill Cowher really have another house in Ponte Vedra? Right. Like, you know, it's like 
listen, when we know something, we'll tell you. Yeah. All right? Yeah. I mean, but that's what happens now. So, anyway. Well, all right. Then. Well, hey, listen, man, you better hope if the new coaching staff does come in, you better hope, like, I know somebody on that roster so that way I can have the inside sources. Right? Like, if all of a sudden Puzz decided to be a defensive coordinator, you better believe I'm be like, hey, every single text message, Puzz, I know I, I can never say your last name right, but that's okay, man. <laughs> but I got to have this inside information here. What kind of defense are you going to run? What kind of guys are you pursuing? All that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that was fun. I, I love talking about that kind of kind of stuff. Um, and those guys are so good at it. So so I, I say that with all due respect. Um, I, I really appreciate what they've built and what they've been able to do. In fact, I'd love to sit down with those guys someday, just like off camera, off whatever, and be like, how did you build up like the rapport with those that many people to get to where you are now? Blackmail. You know? Yep. Yeah, like how did that happen? Like when did that click in? It was like, hey, uh, I got something I'm calling Schefter. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all that. And it's like I trust those guys that much that every bit of information now goes to those guys. Mm-hmm. Listen, if I had something big to say, I'd call Schefter up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, all right, let's talk about the Jags and their youth. All right, the, 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 um, the New York Jets, there was an article today about how they, they became one of five teams this year to play ten rookies the other night. And the story was a positive one because they looked okay, right? They almost won the football game. I mean, by Jet standards, they looked okay. And uh, I got thinking, if they're one of five teams, well, the Jags have to be on, on the list of five games that's happened this year where ten rookies have played. Sure. And no doubt they are. And so the question is, the Jets are trying to draft and develop. The Jags have obviously pointed to that. Now, Jags thought they'd be better than one and seven. They're not. Mm-hmm. But are they developing is the big answer. Are they doing this right is this going to pay off? And that's it might pay off, Austin, because you might get the one or two draft pick. And so you might yeah. get a game changer in your franchise. Yeah. But it needs to be better than that. It needs to be Miles Jack needs to continue to play well. DJ Chark needs to continue to play well. Jawan Taylor's got to be good. Maybe Cam Robinson is the guy. All those things have to happen. But on top of that, I believe C.J. Henderson and Caleb on Chason have to be worth their draft selection. I believe LaVisca Chenault has to be a long-term answer around here and part of it, not just for a few plays, not just for a few games, but for five, six years. I, I think those kind of – James Robinson, now that he's showing us he's the real deal, that's a cherry on top to mm-hmm. all this. So is it working, and will it be worth it are the two questions, in my opinion. If you look at what the Jags are doing, they have James Robinson back there. I understand they didn't draft him, but he's still a rookie, and he's playing a lot. They have Chenault, who is playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Their long snapper is one of those guys, by the way. He's playing a lot. They now have Luton, who's playing, uh, although I don't really think that's part of the long-term haul. C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chason, Doug Costin, uh, help me out. Uh, let's see, Daniel um, Thomas Daniel has Tom, been yeah. in there. Uh, missing some more, missing some yeah, more. Let me... um, who else? Oh, uh, Devon Hamilton. Correct. So uh, we can even stop there, but you get the – oh, I, I'll give you more. Chris Claybrooks is in that conversation Correct. because he's played quite a bit. Colin Johnson's in that conversation. Yep. So I think I might have just got to 10 or even 11. Did you so, say uh, Josiah Scott? Has he been in No. Not? See, and that's that's the oh, thing. Oh, he hasn't been in. No, he hasn't. I, I don't know if he's been in yet, but if he's been okay. in, it's been not enough. Okay, right? I got you. Not, I got not you. enough to join this conversation. Okay. And so the point is, listen, if you go through some of the guys – let's leave Luton out of it. But Chenault looks like something. Sure. James Robinson is something. Like, I know that now, right now. Like, he is something. I don't know exactly how good, but he's something. 
I don't know C.J. Henderson. I don't know Caleb on Chase. And again, I think those two guys are critical in this discussion. Absolutely. Uh, Doug Costin, by the way, nice little find right there. But yeah. it might just be he's good enough because you don't have anything else. Mm. Have to be aware of that. Devon Hamilton, I think he's, I think he's coming on. Like yeah, I'm happy yeah. with Devon Hamilton, as you should be. Uh, I think Daniel Thomas, by the way, and I know we haven't talked about him a lot, but he had that blocked punt. I've seen him on special teams do other things, and I think when he's getting defensive snaps, he's doing a nice job. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's great, but I've noticed number 20, and I think that's always a good thing when you can notice guys in a positive way. So, uh, And Clay Brooks, to be honest with you, they drafted him as a return man, and he's helped them out way more than I think they'd ever even planned at the corner spot. What so, about uh, Colin Johnson, too, as well? You throw him in the mix or not? I, well, I just not enough. Not I, mean, enough yeah. I mean, he's in the mix because he's up every game. Sure. I just don't know if I've seen He has such a good August. He's mm-hmm. had a couple of plays here and there. But, I mean, I can't sit here and tell you I know who Colin Johnson is, right? So sure. they need – that's what this is all about, man. These last eight games are just as much about maybe, depending if you believe in the tank stuff and <laughs> one or two. It is about that. Yeah. But it's about these guys. Like, you – I, I continue to say we cannot look up in three years and the Jags are better just because they got Justin Fields, just because they changed coaches in front office. No, they ha- they will be better if James Robinson's still a thing, LaVisca Chenault, Colin Johnson are still a thing, and maybe most important in my opinion is if C.J. Henderson and Caleb on Chason are good. I don't know if they have to be Jalen Ramsey and even Josh Allen, but they better be better than what they're showing right now. And I think that is also critical going forward. Yes, the quarterback can help and save a lot, but he can't change everything around here. You cannot swing and miss again on two first-round draft picks. The last eight games are so critical for those two guys and a lot of the young ones. So getting back to the talking point of you know the, the benefits of playing all the rookies, kind of like the New York Jets are doing right now. Right. Yeah, there is obviously some benefit to doing that because it gives you the proper evaluation of talent, especially since you didn't have a, a preseason um, to go off of. Like, this is really their shot to say, all right, this guy can we, we can use going forward. This guy, yeah, not so much. So I get the evaluation point. Now, whether that has some sprinkles of tanking on it, you be the judge of that, right? Because I can look and say, well, when's the last time a team that started, you know, 10 rookies or had 10 rookies playing a game been successful? And the answer would probably be, well, not that many times, right? So maybe it's a little bit of planning for the future, a.k.a. taking if you want to throw it out there a little bit. But I also know how the NFL works. And when you have a team um, that's losing games, a team that has a, you know, a, a downside of a roster, let's just say, the turnover is ridiculous. So I get what you're saying. Like, I, I, I get it, man. Like James Robinson, yeah, let's see more of him. Devon Hamilton, you better believe it. C.J. Henderson, yeah, he's probably got to play better. Uh, Chase on the same thing. But like on the on the back end of all this, like the Chris Clay Brooks's and like the Daniel Thomases and and things like that, like to sit here and say they're going to be the guys going forward for the next four or five years, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will be. But I think as a team, you got to have it in the back of your mind, like yeah, we're going to play the rookies right now, like it's going on in New York. But you got to expect a lot of these guys that are playing right now are probably going to be depth guys next year, right? They're probably going to be replaced by more young guys, maybe, or even free agents. That's that's just the way the NFL works. But now let's be fair. If you analyze the Jaguars right now, they're not going to get a lot of top-billed free agents, I don't think. I get you have a lot of money, but in terms of a place to come to right now, the way it looks, not that good. Now, once maybe you hire a new head coaching staff and all that stuff, well, then maybe we're talking about a destination spot for free agents. But right now you have a team that obviously they have to build through their youth and they have to build through the draft. 
Yeah, I th- I think you're right. Um, I, I I just don't. Uh, I think we talk so much about what's to come with the quarterback spot. I think we have to remember here in Jacksonville that they use 12 draft picks this year. Mm-hmm. They have 16 rookies. And and by the way, they've got a bunch of young guys at year two and year three that are playing a bunch too, but this isn't for that conversation. So I just think we have to remember about those guys because they have to be part of this thing too. And you know, a lot of people didn't love the fact that they kept Dave Caldwell in this front office around to make all those selections. What I believe they still need to do over this year, next year, especially, and maybe even a third year, is they got a hit on 65 to 70% of their decisions. Mm. I'm not ready to say they did that in the draft yet. It doesn't look like a bonanza of a draft in that part. But we're only eight games into their careers. So I think this next eight is real critical to show me something with some more of these guys. If we can leave 2020 and we say, hey, you know what, I did see Chase Hunt make a lot of progress. I did see C.J. Henderson show up toward the end of that year in a consistent way. If LaVisca and James Robinson continue to do their thing, and then you can start pointing to the Daniel Thomases a bit, Devon Hamiltons, and even a Doug Costin out of nowhere, well then, okay, now I can start believing that, well, the next decision-making that comes in here is the quarterback hits, a couple of free agents, and nine more draft picks or ten more draft picks. What do they have? And you can hit on four of those. Well, now you got something. Now that's the formula to try to fix it. Um, until then, it is wait and see. The Jags are not the only team in the league doing this. The New York Jets are trying to do a similar thing um, here in 2020, it looks like. All right, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the Masters. A fun conversation about that. And more football on the way. What's going on in Tallahassee? Uh, interesting times, an interesting day uh, during Mike Norvell's news conference today. We'll have it on ESPN 690. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 